We are in a second week of our series called Ghosts of Christmas Past, and we're talking about how many times during the holiday seasons that a lot of great things happen, there's a lot of good memories, and it really seems during this season, during the Christmas season, that it can really magnify a lot of great things that are going on. We celebrate great traditions, we get together with families, we have all kinds of things that we do together, gift exchange, decorations, all of those things, and it just seems like in this season, as the song goes, it can be the most wonderful time of the year. And we've kind of been exploring the other side of that, and that's sometimes that Christmas, the holiday season, seems to also be able to magnify the so not the not so great things that happen, some of the more negative emotions, some of the things that we go through that are a little more difficult. And maybe you found yourself this way, or you've known someone who's gone through that. Sometimes at the holidays, the opposite can happen, where some negative emotions or some things that we are going through that are difficult seem to rear their head, and it becomes a time that we feel blue or, or down. And and so next week, I'm really excited. We'll be talking about overcoming labels, and I'm really excited for that talk. But this week, we're going to tackle something called shame. And shame is simply as I've defined it, is a deeply painful emotion. It's shame. It's, it's something that, it's a soul-crushing, identity-warping emotion. That shame is something that actually changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way that we live our life. And many times, shame can even impact the way that we interact with other people around us. It's something that we many times carry the weight of shame. And so as I grew up, uh, I grew up as a pastor's kid. And if you've been around, you've heard me share some stories with that. I grew up as, a, they call them PK, pastor's kid. And so I grew up in the church, and um, when I was really young, um, we attended a church, and not only was my dad a pastor, but my uncle was a pastor too. And so I remember, you know, growing up as a kid in the church, we would do things that kids would do, you know, going and getting in trouble and doing things and being places we weren't supposed to be. You know, anyone else do that as a kid? And they just what you do when you're a kid, and since your dad's a pastor and your uncle's a pastor, you're at church all the time, right? And so you're not kind of wanting to toe the line. You don't want to do all the things and be in the class and everywhere you're supposed to be. And I, I remember one time, and I, I was really young, maybe like five years old, six years old, somewhere in there. And I remember being at church, and we were apparently somewhere we weren't supposed to be, and we were apparently doing something we weren't supposed to be doing in that moment. I, I remember someone coming up to us, an adult, and I don't even remember who it was or the circumstances, what we were doing. I just remember how angry they were at us in that moment, being like, who do you think you are? You know, you're, your dad's a pastor, your uncle a pastor, shame on you. You should know better than this. And I remember in that moment, I don't remember even what we were doing, but I remember that moment, the shame of that, of being like, oh, I never, that light bulb never really went off. I was like, I guess I got to keep up appearances. You know, I got to make sure that dad and uncle look good as the pastors. And so I, I felt this shame. I, I felt, I felt guilty. And really, I got this here for us for our notes. The difference between guilt and shame is this. Guilt is I did bad. And so I did something bad. You, you feel guilt, right? And that's a normal emotion. We all do that. You do something wrong. You mess up. You make a mistake. You feel the guilt. You feel bad. But shame is a little different is that it really becomes a part of our identity. Shame says I am bad. And you see the difference between that? Guilt just says I did bad. I made a mistake or I did something wrong. Maybe it was even an honest mistake or maybe it was just something that we we just flat out didn't. We chose to do the wrong thing, and you feel guilty. But the difference between guilt and shame is the shame then becomes part of our identity, and it says, I am a bad person. So we connect what happened with who we are. And some of these statements may feel true for you that sometimes we say, and maybe this is where I was, that I did bad, and so I am bad. Or he rejected me, so therefore I am nothing. Or after what I did, I 
and worthless. And see, many times what happens with shame is it ties the action or what happened to us or something that we've done or something that someone else did to us or even something that was just completely out of our control or even an expectation that we couldn't live up to and we tie it to our identity. And so I remember that was something young that I struggled with was that shame and living up to that perfection that I never seemed to be able to do. Matter of fact, when I was in elementary school, um, I got a little too smart for my own good. Um, I figured out the system for the homework and found out how I could find the answers before I needed them. Um, And so I helped myself to those answers and started doing really great on my homework all of a sudden. You know what I'm saying? Went from like an average student in second grade to being like, yo, honor roll. You know, I was doing really well. And I thought I was just really smart figured this out, how to figure all the, put all the answers in there. No one's ever going to catch me in this. And I remember that one day my teacher busted me so hard. She was so tricky about it too. I think she like actually watched me doing it and then came up, you know what I'm saying? It's like you catch them in the act red, red-handed, you know? And so I remember in that moment feeling that shame of being like, oh man, busted it. And just feeling once again, that I'm just must be a really bad person. I'm supposed to be living up to this expectation that I can't do. And I remember even as I got older in middle school, coming out of elementary school and middle school, in sixth grade, I used to get really angry. I don't know if anyone else can identify with that. I would just get really upset and angry, and I didn't know how to deal with that. And it would be, you know, looking back now, and many times maybe you feel the same way. Sometimes you, the things you get angry about, you're like, what was I even mad about? Like I, and in this moment, I, I remember specifically sixth grade, we just moved into a new house, and uh, we were living in this house. And I always had fish growing up. I don't know about you. If you had pets, you guys did some people, you know, dogs. Any dog people in here, right? Cat people, any of you? Okay, we'll pray for you. Um, you know, it's just, you know, everyone, you know, birds, you know, reptiles. You know, we got a couple of gerbils at home now. You know, that's what we do. Uh, and so I had fish, and I had fish tanks, and I loved my fish. And I always kept them in my room, and I had a 10-gallon tank up on my dresser. And I was really angry this one day, and I couldn't tell you. I, I tried to think about it. I remember, I can't tell you what I was mad about. Who knows what I was mad about? I remember rushing into my room, 12-year-old Brian, I'm so angry in this moment, just so upset, you know, shut the door, and I'm so mad, and I see my Bible, my little blue King James Bible is sitting there, and I'm so mad, and I pick it up, and I just chuck it across the room. It hits the fish tank, and the fish tank shatters. And there is 10 gallons of water and fish flopping all over my floor in this moment. And then I have to go tell my parents, you know, it talk about shame in that moment. It wasn't even like, I, I feel bad. And I was like, I couldn't believe that the Bible broke it. But, you know, they say the word of God is powerful. They are not lying. I mean, it just shattered. And I remember my parents wouldn't even believe me. That's what I threw. They came in, they're trying to find heavier objects. You threw this barbell. No, I didn't have barbells in my room. But I'm like, no, I, I promise it was just the Bible. The Bible shattered the fish tank and just I remember feeling that that guilt and it would go on and you know the things that I would do and I began to internalize that shame of I didn't just do bad things but I really felt man I am just a bad person I can't get it together I can't live up to these expectations and I don't know if you ever felt that way um, as a young child but many times that continues on in our life even as adults And many times the shame that we feel now, even as adults, really happens sometimes in the secret parts of our lives. The things that we really don't let anyone else in or let other people know about. Things like even going into debt, we feel that shame that we should 
be able to get it together and we should be able to balance the books, but it just seems like we can't get over that. And so we feel the shame of, of that. Or, or maybe we have some kind of addiction or something that we're addicted to and we don't really let anyone know about that. And instead of being able to really deal with it head on, we just feel that shame and the weight of, of having to deal with that or, or some kind of sexual past or addiction or something that we're going through or, or our eyes being on things that we know that aren't God honoring and we shouldn't be looking at. And it, it just causes this shame and we begin to internalize it because of that secret lifestyle that I'm, I'm a bad person. And so we begin to say these things that when you go through those things and you're living in that shame and it begins to attack your identity, we begin to say things like this. And maybe one of these will be something that rings true or something that you feel about yourself. We begin to say things like, I'm defective. Man, why am I going through that? Why am I always messing up in this area? I'm defective. I'm, I'm damaged. I'm broken. I'm flawed. I'm dirty. I'm ugly. I'm impure. I'm disgusting. I'm unlovable. I'm weak. Anyone ever feel I'm, I'm just pitiful? I'm just pitiful. Or I, I'm insignificant. I'm worthless. I'm unwanted. And man, reading through that list makes me want to go have a drink. It's kind of depressing. And I don't even drink, right? But it's a really depressing thing that when we go through those moments and we begin to, to think that way, it begins to warp our identity in the way that we see ourselves. And something that is really interesting, and, and I remember studying this all the way back in, in college days, is something in counseling class that they would teach us about shame-based thinking. So shame-based thinking is something that actually begins to change the way that we think in our life and begins to shape the way that we we have interactions with people. It begins to change the way that we live our day-to-day -day life. It begins to change our relationships and even how we see ourselves. So I want to take a look at three shame-based thinking patterns, and maybe you'll identify with one or all of these, or maybe at different points in your life. The first one is with shame-based thinking is we are vulnerable to perfectionism. We attempt to silence our shame with error-free performances and find it difficult to admit fail failure. And so when we have this shame-based thinking of perfectionism, we think we've got to live up to this unobtainable standard, that we have to go, we just can't let anyone know that we don't have it figured out, that everything's got to be come out just the right way, everything's got to be perfect, all the ducks got to be in a row, everything's got to come out just right. I can't drop the ball, I can't anyone let anyone know that I'm weak or that I don't have this figured out. I've got to have all the answers all the time. And then when we don't live up to that performance, then we find it difficult to admit when we don't live up to it and we fail. And so the shame-based thinking causes us to live to some unattainable level of perfectionism because of the shame that we feel of not being able to do it right all of the time. The second one is we are critical of ourselves, making us critical of others. This is a really interesting one with shame-based thinking, is we become critical of others because of the things we see in ourselves. So we basically, we see our faults mirrored in others. So the things that I'm messing up with, the things that I'm making a mistake in, we see that in others, and we become judgmental, and we perceived as self-righteous and arrogant. I don't know if you've seen that in other people, or you've recognized that in yourself, that many times when we have shame-based thinking, we see that in other people, and we see the things that we are failing at, the things that we are faltering at. And many times that happens even in a parenting relationship, that as parents, we'll see the things that we mess up and the things that we fail in. And then we begin to call it out in our own kids. We begin to shame them because of the things that we ourselves struggle with. And the last one is we use self-defeating thoughts as a form of protection and escape. And so we focus on the worst possible outcome 
and we sabotage opportunities and relationships. So because of the shame that we feel, whatever it is that we're going through, we'll use self-defeating thoughts, and so we just begin to sabotage relationships or opportunities. And before they even happen, before we even have the opportunity for the relationship to fail and tank, we already go there with our thoughts. We already just torpedo it in our minds, say, you know, it's, it's just going to be a wreck. It's not going to work out. They're not going to like me. They're going to hate me, or I'm not going to take a risk and go for that opportunity or apply for that job or just put myself out there. We just begin to self-defeat ourselves with our thoughts as a form of protection because we just don't want to deal with that shame. We don't want to have to deal with the weight of that. And so we begin to have that shame-based thinking that affects so many parts of our life. And I don't know what it is specifically about Christmas time, but it seems like the shame-based thinking more than any time of the year really starts to rear its ugly head. You're at dinner and mom just lashes out for no apparent reasons. Like, what? Where did that just come from? It was like we're passing the ham and all of a sudden mom's like taking a shot right across the bow. It's like, what's going on? But you realize that she's dealing with some shame internally. And so it comes out and manifests itself in that way. Or your dad just gets drunk and he just totally disengages and he's just out somewhere by himself. And it's just the shame that he's feeling. He just can't process it and doesn't want to deal with it. And so just totally disengages from everything and anything going on. Or how about your in-laws criticize you for your parenting or something that you're doing or your beliefs or your work ethic or whatever, and it just seems like those holiday seasons seem to be a time where people can really just take a shot of us, at us. Or how about you become hypercritical of others yourself because of something that you are going through, you, you become critical of the other things that people are going through. We mirror that in them because of what we are going through. And so my prayer for us today is that God would do a work, a healing work in our hearts and that he would set us free from the devastation of shame. And I believe he can do that. And so we're gonna take a look at Isaiah 54.4. And this is God speaking to Israel, but this is our prayer for us today too. It says this, fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid, there is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth. So why don't we have to live in shame? Because we don't have to live in shame because God can free us from that shame. In 1 John 1, 9, it says this, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, we don't have to live in the weight of shame. We don't have to change that guilt from something that we've done to that identity that says, I am bad because of who God is. And he doesn't see us the way that we see ourselves. And so we can know that that's true. We can know in our head that it's true that we don't have to live in that shame, but it's a whole nother thing in our identity to say that I'm, I'm over this, that I don't see myself in this because it becomes a part of our identity. In the Old Testament, there's a story about how God's people go into exile and they actually get sent to Egypt and they become slaves in Egypt. Matter of fact, they are slaves in Egypt for so long, they were actually there as slaves for 430 years. 430 years, over four centuries of slavery. So basically, they were born a slave. All they know is being a slave. All they know is that they are worthless. So basically, at the end of 430 years, they're a slave. Mom and dad were slaves. Grandparents were slaves. Great-grandparents were slaves. And so this is all they know. This is truly at their point, their identity. And so day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, they believe the lie that they were worthless. 
But then God raised up Moses, and you might know the story. God sent Moses, and he uses those powerful words to Pharaoh, let my people go, right? He goes on this mission that God gives him to see God's people delivered from the slavery, and God does just that. He delivers the people from 430 years of slavery. And though they were free on the outside, many of them still internally struggled with seeing themselves as a slave. Matter of fact, they became a slave to the shame. And so you could say it this way, though they were out of slavery externally, internally, they were still slaves in their heart. See, they were out of Egypt, but the Egypt yet wasn't out of them. And I believe this is what happens many times in us and our relationship with God. And even though we know that God has set us free and we don't have to live in the shame of our past, many of us are still believing that we are something that God says you are not. And so we believe this lie that we are something that God clearly tells us that we are not. See, if I've been transparent and shared some of the things that when I was young that I struggled with and, and struggled with that shame, and thankfully I was able to get over that and that, that God walked me through that and I didn't have to live into that shame or, or live up to those expectations. And I'm not ashamed of my past, the things that I had done and the things that God has got me through. But if I can be honest, I still battle with shame-based thinking in my life. And while it might not be based on those things that I did or thinking that I'm bad, the, the dominant shame-based thought that I struggle with today is simply that I'm not enough, that I'm just simply inadequate. See, growing up, I felt the weight of responsibility. I, was, I, I felt that it, I had to be responsible. And, and many times that was just something that God gifted me with, this ability to, to feel responsibility, but it became twisted for me where I felt responsible to fix everything. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but from a young age, I, I felt that responsibility that I had to take care of it, that I had to get it done and, and I wanted to fix it. And obviously as a child and even in life, that's just not possible. We can't fix everything. And so I, I felt like a failure and I, and I simply felt that, that I am not enough. And so fast forward to an adult now here in 2018 as a husband, as a father of three young daughters who I love so much and, and pastoring a brand new church plant with so many things to do. I can't solve all the problems. I, I can't be everywhere. I don't have all the answers. I can't be everything. I don't have all the solutions. And so I recognize that I'm going to disappoint and I can't get it all done. And so I begin to have that shame-based thinking and those self-defeating thoughts of just torpedoing myself before I even get a chance to try. And so I recognize that I have to deal with that shame and it becomes difficult if I allow it to become a part of my identity. But see, the only way to heal from shame is to move the focus from what I am not to who Christ is. See, I may not be enough and I, I may be inadequate, but see, it's, I gotta take the focus off of myself and on to who Christ is. And so, Anytime you think something bad, here's the difficult thing with this. Sometimes we think negative thoughts about ourselves. You know, I talk about being inadequate or feeling like I just am not enough. And let's just be honest. Sometimes when we think those things negatively about ourselves, there might be a little bit of truth to it, right? And that's kind of difficult. And I don't want to be harsh today, but you may have the thought that I am bad. And yep, 
you actually are, you know, because we're all sinners, right? You're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we are actually bad. And you might, like me, think, you know, I'm inadequate, I'm inadequate. Yes, right again. But we're not designed to do it all on our own and have all of the answers. And some of you might think that you're kind of pathetic. And I, I hate to be harsh today and rude, but some of you kind of are. You're kind of pathetic sometimes, right? It's like, man, this is a really encouraging one today, Brian. But see, as long as you are focused on yourself, you will never be enough. As long as you are simply focused on you having it, that you've got under control, that you can do it all, that it all comes down to you, you will never be enough. And so I got a phrase for us today. And if you're taking notes, I ask you to write this down. And if you're not taking notes, this would be like the only thing that you really need to remember today is because of Christ, we have this statement. And so I am not blank, but because of Christ, I am blank. And so I can't fill this in for you. Only you are going to be able to fill this in, but recognizing that I am not something, but because of Christ, I am. And so I have some examples and this might help you out with this. I am not bad, but because of Christ, I am forgiven. I am not sick, but because of Christ, I am healed. I am not broken, because of Christ, I am new. I am not disgusting, because of Christ, I am loved. And so you've got to figure out what this looks like in your context. What are those words? What is that shame that you carry? What is that shame-based thinking causing you to think that you are less than or you're not enough or something that you've done in your past or even something that someone did to you or an expectation that someone put on you that you couldn't live up to that causes you to feel that shame? What is it that you feel in there that says, I am not bad, but because of Christ, I am forgiven? See, as we remember the Israelites in the 430 years that they lived in slavery, and even though they were out of Egypt, the shame of Egypt wasn't out of them. But I love what God tells them in the book of Joshua. He tells them this in Joshua 5, 9, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. And he tells them, and just today I have rolled away the shame of slavery in Egypt, that no more he has that shame. And see, someone along the line might have used those terrible words that I hope none of us ever use, shame on you. But God is here today saying that the shame is off of you. And just like he rolled that shame off of the Israelites after they came out of Egypt, he said no more shame, that the shame is no longer on you. It's rolled off of you, that you can know that you are not your past that no matter what happened, you are not what you did. Matter of fact, you are not what someone else did to you. That is not your identity. That is not who you are. Matter of fact, you are not who others think you are. And many times we're not even who we think of ourselves, but you are simply who Christ says you are. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's really good news. Because as I struggle with those inadequacies and I struggle with those shame-based thoughts, it simply becomes that not about me having all the answers, me being good enough, but recognizing, yes, God, I'm inadequate and I need you in my life. And we can simply say this, that today I am free. I am forgiven. I am changed. I am redeemed. I am healed. I am blessed. I am chosen. I'm complete. I'm accepted. And I am a child of God.
that today we can rest assured that we can know that you are out of Egypt and the Egypt is out of you. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that now for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no more condemnation. There is no guilt. There is no shame. The Bible tells us that when God sets us free from our sins and the things that we've done, he doesn't hold us against us. Matter of fact, he says he separates as far as the east is from the west. Behold, you've become a new creation. The old is gone, that God has forgiven you and we don't have to to live in that shame any longer. We know we're not going to have to see ourselves through those lens of the disappointment, of the shame, of the mistakes that we made of our past, of the things that were done against us, or the, the harsh words that someone used against us. So once again, reminded of those words in Isaiah 54, and let it just wash over you today. Fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth. You are not what you did. You are who Christ says you are. Would you bow your heads with me today as we pray? I want to take a moment and pray for all of us. And, and as we do, I'm just going to ask you as your heads are bowed today, if that's, if that's you today, if you are dealing with the weight and the baggage of that shame, maybe of something that you've done or something that someone has done to you or something, that expectation you've not lived up with, and you would just say, in this moment, while no one's looking around, just slip your hand up and say, Brian, yes, that's me. Would you pray for me in that moment? Would you pray for me as I deal with that shame? Awesome, I see those hands. Awesome, you can put them down. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord, and we are so thankful that it is not about us, but it is about what you have done for us. And that, God, when we come to a relationship with you, we become a son and daughter of God, and that you love us, that you have forgiven us, that you have made us anew, that there is no more condemnation, that you don't hold our past over our head. God, and it's not even about the way that we see ourselves or the other ways others see us. It's simply finding our identity in you and saying that we are forgiven, that we are loved, that we are secure in the love that we have for us, that we are complete, that we are accepted, that we are blessed, that we are chosen, that we are changed, and that we are a child of God. So God, I pray for us today that in this moment, just as you roll that shame off of Israel, God, I just pray right now by your spirit that you would do a work in our hearts. And just like you rolled that shame of slavery off of them, God, that you would roll that, that shame off of us, that we would no longer carry it, that we would no longer see ourselves in that light, that we wouldn't allow it to warp our identity, that we wouldn't live in that shame-based thinking. God, we would let you into our heart and allow you to do that work and lay it down at your feet. Thank you, Jesus.